and we are live yes sir welcome to game breakers everyone your guy edwin once again wednesday afternoon yes we are halfway throughout the week yes we are halfway throughout the week to get in that drink that you deserve yes we are hopefully having a great day Everyone out there listening, I'm glad that you're tuning in to some Game Breakers Talk once again with your guy, Edwin, and I hope that you are having a great day so far, and hopefully listening to Game Breakers can make that day much more better. But anyways, guys, I'm so glad to announce that we have so many freaking topics to talk about, man. So many freaking topics to get into today. But first, but first... Can we please have a word of silence? Well, silence, yeah, silence. A moment of silence, not a word of silence. A moment of silence for the the shooting uh, for Rob Elementary School and the uh, 18 children that died. I believe it was 18. Yes. Uh, sorry, 19. Sorry, 19. My, my mistake. My bad. 19 children uh, pronounced dead at least at this time of the article. So let's just take a moment of silence. Thank you. So much, so much chaos and so much evil in this world. When you think about it, I mean, we want to think that this world has so many great opportunities for success and life and and love but when we think about how corrupt this place really is and the twisted mindsets that people carry on inside of them it's insane it's insane you know i, I look at uh this whole entire shooting and to have a hundred reported school shooting since that sandy hook uh uh occurrence that took place a couple years ago insane on school grounds a place where it's supposed to be a, a safe place for our children to learn and to interact with others and to have fun and to appreciate the art of just being friends with each other to come to school and to you know for parents to drop your, your children off and to never see them again because some guy some twisted human being wants to come in there and take your children's life away I can't believe it sometimes. I just can't believe how many times are we going to go through this, man? Seriously, how many times are we going to go through posting these children, these innocent people, black people? You know, a, a couple of days ago, Jalen Randall got shot. No, not armed at all. Got shot. Officer didn't even think twice. He shot him before he even said anything. Didn't even think twice. But when, when Peyton Gidron holds a... Uh, AK-47 or whatever gun he was holding at that time, he doesn't get shot immediately. He just gets handcuffed. They ask him if he's okay. They ask him, do you need anything before we take you into custody? They ask him, how was the whole entire experience? They make a mockery of it because they don't do the same things that they do to black people. You know, it's it's a whole cycle of just so much chaos and so much, so much evil in this world. And you go back to this whole elementary school shooting I mean, I can't imagine any of my younger nieces and nephews going through that. I can't imagine. I can't imagine what the parents are thinking right now. Why? 
so much regret that goes in their mind of what they probably said the day of or the, the morning of before dropping their children off, or maybe the, the I love you that they sent to their child, knowing that that would unknowing that that would be the last I love you they would say to their children. Insane. It, it really is sad to see sometimes. It really is sad to see, and we have to do better. So I, I don't know what who you guys believe in, but I believe in God. All right, I'm not going to try and make this about a, a religious podcast or whatever or, or episode, but I'm going to tell you guys I believe in God. So I'm going to pray for those families out there. And I'm ultimately going to pray about just a world that has to get better. I mean, we, we have re Republicans on the, on the seat who care more about making money instead of trying to find ways to be proactive of stopping the gun violence. Why? Why do you care? Like, why are you not putting the people first? Why? What's wrong with you? You know, it's not, it's not about religion. It's not about politics. But when it comes down to it, and when it comes to our faces, we have to speak about this. I mean, why do you care so much about money instead of the safety of your children? Okay? And the people who are twisted out there, the Peyton Gendrons, whatever his name is, of the world, the psychopaths who want to just kill innocent children, innocent people, innocent black people, the cops out there who just have this mindset of just kill, kill, kill. That's a whole different story in itself. But I just wonder, man, like, what is wrong with you people sometimes? What is wrong with those people specifically? What is wrong with them? It's sad, man. It really is sad. But once again, I'm, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to hope that everything hopefully gets better for the people and the families out there and just families in general who have to now continuously live with the idea that something crazy could happen in these schools, even for themselves when they walk out to the grocery store and a church to any active place for that matter, any populated place, there could be that one person that, that is, is willing to, to just risk it all has nothing to, to lose just to take the lives of so many people who are at that specific scene. Right. You know, I, I was on, I was on social media the other day and I was just reading these threats about sex trafficking. What, what it's still so prevalent and it's still, it's so mainstream to this day. And it's so scary. Sometimes the woman who, who have to be fearful of going outside of going to a game, I, I I got I got news of a 15 year old uh, girl being found in a in a hotel after being kidnapped by what it was like six or seven people. Six of them were like women or something like that. What what is going on? You know, I'm not gonna play the blame who and you know whatnot what the dad should have been doing to make sure that his his uh, daughter was safe, but it's just crazy so far. It's 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 insane. So people. Please be safe out there. Please be cautious because there are always going to be those bad apples who want to ruin your life and actually take your life. And they don't care. They go past the idea of trying to have empathy and sympathy for your children. They will take a children's life as well, too. Very, very scary. Very, very scary. I'm not going to lie about that. Very scary. So I'm going to pray. Pray for my family, my friends, my nieces, everyone. And people out there who are just struggling. People out there who don't even know me. Because this right here is crazy. In the United States, how many times do you see this happen in other countries? In the United States, we pride ourselves on being the big and the best. 
And we have the worst, the worst instances and the worst occurrences when it comes to these kind of things. The worst. Oh, my goodness. But anyways, let's get down to sports. You know, that was just my little uh, spiel for what happened. Trying to pay respect and just hopefully just spreading some love out there. But and making people aware of what's going on if they're not already know. Like I'm trying to lift up the rock that you live under if you don't know already of what happened. But anyways, let's move on. So I'm having a good day today. And I'm walking from the gym. You know, just had my nice gym workout session done. And I'm just checking some news on sports, you know, to to try and game plan for what I'm gonna talk to talk about and discuss for today's episode on game breakers. And what do I see? I see, <laughs> I see Eddie and Ketia. Eddie and Ketia will stay at Arsenal. Decision made and nothing is completed yet, but he will sign or he will be penned to a new long-term deal. And he has turned down Bundesliga clubs. He has turned down Premier League clubs. One of them being Crystal Palace were interested. And call me dramatic, but I almost fainted. <laughs> I almost fainted because what the hell? Guys, oh no. I, listen, you you hear me you hear me clapping? I've washed my hands. I've washed my hands of the filth and dirt that Arsenal has given me over the past couple of years. I have accumulated as a fan over the past couple of years. I've washed it all. I've washed it. I've washed it. Because this right here is insane. And I feel like I have to make this clear every time I talk about a player or every time I, I criticize a player. But nothing against Eddie Nketiah. He's actually my countryman, if, if we're being honest. A guy who will, uh, who has committed to playing for Ghana in the World Cup this year. So I'm going to hope that he does well for Ghana. But it doesn't matter what he does for Arsenal because that's a different kind of element. A different kind of game. Different kind of beast. Right? Ghana is a different story. You're playing for your country. Um, so this comes down to him as a person as well, too, who he's, where he's from, all that kind of stuff. I don't have a problem with that at all. You know, and I, st- I think I still have the right to criticize him if he plays bad or he plays good, uh, give him praise if he plays good. But for the most part, him at Arsenal is not it. Is not it. Now, I'm not going to, I'm going to try and make this rant as quick as possible because I don't want to go over like I did last time with, you know, when I did rant because that was a whole different story in itself. But Eddie and Ketia is not it. I mean, why do we have to settle for mediocre players? Mediocre players. There is nothing to his game that makes me go, ooh, ah, this guy can actually do something. This guy can actually give us a, a, a boost in this game. There's nothing aside from pace, maybe, if that. But Aubameyang ain't had pace. And Aubameyang was a clinical striker. But when he was not on his game, he at least had that factor to keep defenses or the back lines of teams honest. Eddie Nketiah does nothing for me. He's a goal poacher. He's a foxer, what they call. A guy who just hangs around the net and you'd hope for him to finish his chances when it, when it gets down to it all. Doesn't create. He can't make plays happen. And we are rewarding a guy off of eight games. Eight game production. What about the last three years? What happened to that? And it all comes down to Mikel Arteta again. I told you guys, man. I told you. What did I say a couple of months ago? I said that I'm going to hope that we keep on winning. But I will never forget 
of who Mikel Arteta is and what he is capable of. Because right now, he is doing some BS, convincing Eddie and Kete to stay when we could do business to get some funds to get an actual quality striker in this club. Why? Why are we settling for mediocre players? These kind of players are going to get us eighth twice and fifth. And I don't care what anybody says. I don't care about any Arsenal fan that says that this is not an uh, underperforming season or this was a disappointment. It is. It is. There will always be the Arsenal faithful that come up here and say that this was a great season. It was not a great season. You know why? Because you cannot use the argument that we are rebuilding. Because we have been rebuilding for three years. Three years. Okay? You can make that argument that it was a great season if we were, like, into year two of our rebuild and we were playing much better and we finished fifth. That's a different story. But we had enough talent. We had enough chances in the Premier League this year to get fifth, and we did not do so. It's a disappointment. It's a disappointment. It's an underperformance from the team and the manager. Underperforming. So I'm still going to be upset once again because I don't really like Eddie Nketiah for Arsenal. I don't. I feel like he's a backup. He's not even good as a backup. We need two strikers, and I wouldn't even use him as a backup striker. And if we do decide to get two strikers this year, then what is he here for? Sell him. Get him to a, a different club. Let them use him. You know, Crystal Palace were in for this guy. They have been in for him for a while now. They want to replace Jordan Ayu, who is their number nine. Jordan Ayu, another guy who plays for Ghana, is a bit old. And I, I don't even think Eddie Nketiah is better than him. I don't. But I can see the direction that they're trying to go into, right? They want to get a younger number nine, a guy who they can rely on. And to be honest, when it comes down to it, Eddie Nketiah, Crystal Palace, that's levels for them. Like That's their status right there. That's the kind of players that they, that they can attract. Guys like Eddie Nketiah from a big club like Arsenal or seemingly a big club. I'm not even sure for that anymore. I would rather go into next season with the unknown than to have Eddie Nketiah back at this club. And it's not anything against him as a person, but he does not bring anything to this team, if I'm being honest here. Why are we rewarding guys off of eight-game play? Eight games. He got no burn the year, uh, the, the, eight game, the, the whole entire season before. Why are we rewarding mediocrity? There was nothing in the eight games. I mean, he does the bare minimum, right? He runs hard. He works hard. He presses. But in a day day and age of football, that's the bare minimum. Like, you can't not run and play and press in a game. Like, you can't not do that. You have to press any game you play. Unless you have a strategic plan where you're going to sit back as a team and try to let them break you down. That's a different story in itself. But you have to press. And yet he did get two goals off of working hard against Chelsea that one time. You guys heard me saying, oh, Eddie Nketiah called me when he scored those two goals. I was watching it. I was doing the show right here in my room, watching the game and doing the show. I was happy. But it did not change how I felt going into that game, and it did not change how I felt leaving that game, even with the three points. Didn't matter at all. So if he scores 20 point, I mean, 20 goals next season, Oh, great credit to him. Then it's, it's like, okay, he's taking a different step. But from what I have seen the past three years, he's not it at all. 
He is not it at all. But once again, we have an owner who doesn't care. We have a manager who does not know what he's doing, keeping players like Eddie and Ketia. And we have players like Eddie and Ketia who will not get us the results. So what can you say? What can you say? Moving on. NFL. I definitely forgot to talk about this yesterday uh, for the podcast. Um, NFL and you know the executives and the owners are considering taking away the Pro Bowl game. NFL Pro Bowl. You know, it's funny because I'm not that mad at it. I'm really not. I think that when you have the Pro Bowl, it's not a big factor that gives me gets me going for the NFL. It's not a big type of event that I'm happy to see at this point. The biggest thing is for me is that I would hate as a fan to see any of my players or any of the players who are playing on the field to get injured in that game. That's the biggest thing. I would be fuming because why are we getting injured in, injured in a, a Pro Bowl game? That doesn't mean anything. You know, the only thing that I love about the Pro Bowl is that it gives me a chance to see the best of the best on the same field. But other than that, I don't really care about it. You know, so I think it is time for the NFL to try other ways and utilize other alternatives to get fans engaged with the skills and, you know, the whole idea of the Pro Bowl itself or that event itself. Because we've seen what the NBA has done in the past when it comes down to you know, changing the outlook of the NBA All-Star. And they play harder than they do in the NFL about that. Like, I know they be BSing sometimes and throw up shots here and there, trick shots, whatever, sometimes. But there has been a couple of instances in the past couple of years where in the fourth quarter or the last quarter, they play hard and they actually want to win the game, you know. So it's, it's, it's been proven. And, you know, NBA does a great job of trying to mix it up and keep fans engaged you know, with the Kobe number, rest in peace with him. We're trying to get to 24 or whatnot. Um, but NFL needs to have that same type of approach. They need to. They need to for me. Uh, but if it happens, it happens. I don't really care, if I'm being honest. <laughs> like, I have no ties to the Pro Bowl. I really don't. It's not funny anymore to watch. It's just not. Anyways, let's move on. NBA, all, all NBA teams for this year's season has been released. Um, I'm going to go down the list really quickly for the first. Actually, I'll go third to first. Third team, all NBA, consists of Car Anthony Towns. I think that's well-deserved. LeBron James, Chris Paul, Trey Young, Pascal Siakam. Pascal Siakam mm, is, a, is a maybe for me. Trey Young is a mm, maybe for me. I'm not too sure about that. All right. Second team, all NBA, we have Joel Embiid. No surprise there because you know that if he didn't get the MVP, he would definitely not get all NBA first team so that's just no surprise there Joel Embiid, John Morant, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant and DeMar DeRozan. DeMar DeRozan has had a great season this year. First team all NBA Nikola Jokic obviously, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Luka Doncic, Devin Booker and Jason Tatum. Okay I'm not gonna really go into detail about any of these uh teams for the matter um but I just find it very ironic how there were no Heat players on either the third, at least the third, but the second, at least, you know, I, I, no, don't give me first at all, but at least the third, no heat players in this, in this team or these teams at all. And yet we were still first in the East. And if we were still first in the East without a single player making it to at least the third team, all NBA, then how come Eric Spoelstra doesn't get the coach of the year award? I'm just saying. I mean, I'm not going to go into it that much, but I'm just saying, how come he doesn't get the Coach of the Year award if he doesn't have 
a quote-unquote third-team All-NBA player on his roster. It's mind-boggling. It's mind-boggling, people. It is mind-boggling. Okay. Mavs versus the Warriors. And by the way, have you been watching NHL playoff hockey? (laughs) Because seriously, once again, I'm going to go back to this narrative of how great defense is for just any sport because you saw, I mean, if you watch hockey at least, I've been following hockey at least this, this season, so I've seen a little synopsis of what each team is and how good each team is. Um, I've done some little research on the history of everything. I know that a team like the Tampa Bay Lightning are veteran teams when it comes to the playoffs, and they showed that against the Panthers in this series. I mean, being so great defensively and beating them in four, sweeping them, is great to see. Um, once again, Avalanche taking control of their series. The Flames are losing 3-1 to the Edmonton Oilers, who I picked the Flames to win that series, by the way, because I'm a betting man. Uh, but what I saw from the Flames in the first round compared to the last uh, to, to this round, a totally different shift. Just can't keep up with the scoring. And by the way, stand up, New York, because the New York Rangers are tied 2-2 apiece against the Carolina Hurricanes. I did call the, Hur- the Hurricanes to beat them in this series because of betting reasons, once again. But I would be happy because I've lost the bet already now, right? Like, I picked the Panthers to win that series. I lost. I I picked the the Flames to win this series. I'm losing right now. So I don't really care at this point. But now I'm hoping for the Rangers to win because if they beat the Hurricanes, mm, mm, okay, we have a chance here. I mean, we have a chance here. You never know. You just never know. But anyways, talk to me about last night's game against uh the warriors in dallas right the mavericks came out once again like i called it playing freely playing with their backs against the wall playing with um no real um immense pressure because they knew that regardless of what happens they're in a bad spot anyway but as always teams are gonna have to take it game by game it has never been done uh to come back down from a 3-0 deficit and win the series but for the most part, take it game by game. You never know when it could be your first time doing that, or you could be the first time making history. Anyways, I called the Warriors to win this game. What did I tell you guys? I said that if I call the Warriors to win this game, the Mavericks are going to win. <laughs> and that's what happened. The Mavericks won the game. Okay? So next thing, I'm going to call the Mavericks to win. Quote, unquote. Intent. Wink, wink. Um, but what do we see in this game, right? We saw the Mavericks come out blazing. Blazing. Okay, great second quarter. Now, that is the second quarter that you need to pull away from a team that has been uh, dominating you the whole entire series for the most part, right? Come in the first quarter, it's back and forth action. Um, But what we saw was the Warriors finding no stroke at all. I mean, absolutely no stroke at all. First half was atrocious from these guys. Very, very atrocious. They had... The, the three-point ball not fall from the matter at all. No shots falling from the matter at all. And at that point, it gave the Mavericks some great confidence and some great hope to pull away and make this a game for themselves to win. So we saw the Warriors finish that night 10 of 28 from the three, which is 35%. Mavericks made 23s, 46%. Going back to my original point, who would make the most threes in the game? That's one thing. But who would have the better percentage in that game is another thing. 
And for batter, the Mavericks were the better team, at least this time around. Look at the Warriors last night. Um, we saw some inefficient defending. The Mavericks actually were the better team for the first time in a long time playing better defense in this series. Um, there was a lot of great, great focal points. I saw early and often double teams, which I have not been seeing for the most part of the entire series. Some hard shows, double teams. And we, we just had a case of Steph Curry making some bad decisions. Not bad decisions for the most part, but this guy was trapped and it, it forced him to pick the ball up and throw the ball away to his teammates. But that's what you want to do. You want to get the ball out of their dynamic players. Okay. And when it comes down to the individual defending, now you can just do only but so much. You have Max Kleber come out there and you, you just use your length and defend and you contest as much as possible. That's the, that's the thing. That is the thing right there. The biggest thing is for the Warriors, you want them to put the ball on the floor. Put the ball on the floor. And that is easier said than done. You don't really want that all the time because, once again, these fast guards are able to blow past you regardless. But if you put the ball on the floor, if you make them, if you force them to put the ball on the floor, now you have a chance to um, have a help defender come. Maybe he has a good help uh, sequence that forces them to maybe pick the ball up again. Maybe make a skip pass. You scramble, you get a contest. Use your length. Dorian Finney-Smith, Maxi Kleber, Dwight Powell, those kind of guys. Use your length and size to contest and, and hopefully live with the results. But the moment you fly past these guys, the moment you, you are late with a contest, just know that it's 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 a matter of whether or not they make, they make or miss the shot at that point on. But going to the Mavericks side of things, they just could not miss from three. I mean, Reggie Bullock finally... 60 points made, 18 points scored in that game. Finally, this guy was coming back into Dallas. He was absent in Dallas for uh, one game. He came back a little bit too late, but it is what it is. Uh, Jalen Brunson didn't have the best kind of game, 15 points, but Luka took care of everything, 30 points. Um, he actually started off the game really, really slow. I mean, missing a lot of uh, shots. Second half comes, he gets in his grind, he gets in his bag, and you just saw him come out a different animal. 30 points to finish off, 14 rebounds, and he finished the night 10 to 26. It's not terrible, but one shot of a, a triple-double, too. Um, also, we have the likes of Dorian Finney-Smith. Very, very efficient game. Now, the reason why this game is an anomaly is because I don't see Dorian Finney-Smith scoring anything over 15 points ever for the rest of the series. But 23 points, and this game was much needed. All right, and we had... Uh, some okay bench help. Finally, Maxi Kleber can hit a three again. I mean, this guy could not find a stroke at all. But 13 points, five or six from the free, um, from the field, two or three from the three-point line. That's not bad at all. Okay. That's actually pretty damn good. So give credit to them for that. Um, but let's fast forward, right? Fast forward. Um, we have a case of the Warriors. So there was this issue with the arena that has some leakage. Has some leakage. The, the court was a little wet. So they had to get that down packed, right? And for some people, you would think that that would slow down the momentum of the Mavericks and maybe give the Warriors a break to come out. I mean, halftime was there anyway. It didn't really matter. But maybe give the Warriors some extra shots to get their groove going. Maybe give them a chance to come back into the game. That was not happening at all. 
there was none of that. What we saw was them pack it up. Pack it up. Mavericks scored 37 points in the third quarter. We're raining threes. Raining threes. Once again, same looks that we were getting in the games before, and we weren't hitting on them. We're now hitting on our threes. We're now making our threes. When you give up a three in a game, or how many threes you give up in a game can be very demoralizing. To give up 20 threes in a game, very demoralizing. And it, it was the right call for Steve Kerr to say, okay, I'm just going to pack it up. Like, we've done all we can. They are the better team tonight. And we're going to just go back to Golden State and try, try and regroup to finish out the series. But what the heck happens in the fourth quarter? Okay, what the hell happens? We have guys like Jonathan Kaminga, who played well in that game, by the way. He was playing some good minutes in the first quarter as well, too. First half, for the most part. Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody, Damian Lee, Jordan Poole. These kind of guys. Bielitsa. These kind of guys. Make a nice little run in the fourth quarter. Down by 20 as much in the fourth quarter. And they somehow... Cut the lead down to eight. And there are multiple, multiple, uh, multiple thoughts running through the minds of the players, of the Mavericks, the fan base. I know these guys were shook because how demoralizing could it have been if the backups came back to win this game after being down by 20 points? The Warriors starters could not do it, and the backups came into this game. Would be a great testimony to how great of a team depth that this team has and possesses would have been a great story as to how great the young talent on this roster is. Jonathan Kaminga, you saw the different kind of intensity that Moses Moody brought off that bench. Yeah, I saw it. Deflections everywhere, being active. You know, Damian Lee, cleanup crew, he was having a lot of putback layups in that game. Jordan Poole, obviously a second unit kind of guy, runs that second unit, got some buckets here and there, creating... But for the most part, I think the Mavericks were kind of caught off guard with how intense and how relentless this second unit was that brought them back into the game and cut the lead down to eight, right? Because they were not prepared for Moses Moody. I think they didn't have a game plan for him. They didn't have a game plan for Jonathan Kaminga. And when they came on in the fourth quarter and came on late and started making shots, they're like, oh, shoot, these guys can defend. And these guys are making some shots to get back into the game. And there's about four minutes left. There's plenty of time. But what happens, and I, I am going to be the first to say I am very, 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 very disappointed in Steve Kerr. Okay, I am very disappointed in Steve Kerr. Yeah, Steph Curry didn't have, he didn't have a bad game, 20 points, 7 to 16 shooting. Yeah, Clay Thompson had didn't have a bad game, 12 points. He didn't take enough shots, but he was efficient. Yeah, Andrew Wiggins didn't have a bad game. Jamon Green didn't have a bad game. But when you have a run like that, the game was already packed up by the third quarter. Okay. Beginning beginning of the fourth quarter, it was packed up already. But when you have a run like that, you don't do that. You don't do that. And this is where the trust comes into it. I would have respected Steve Kerr a lot. A lot. His respect for me would have gone through the roof. Would have added some more points. If he would have left those guys in to keep on and finish out the game. Because we saw in that game that it was not the night for Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Jamon Green, Andrew Wiggins, the whole entire starting lineup was not the night for them. 
And we saw the Mavericks struggling with the different kind of intensity and the different kind of pace that these youngsters were playing at compared to the starters of the Warriors. But when he brought the starting lineup back into the game, I said, bro, what are you doing? Trust your players, man. I'd rather, like, either way you lost, either way you lost, okay? And I'd rather go down swinging with these guys that just brought us back into the game than to bring back my starters and to try and sneak out a win. Because it was apparent that they weren't getting the job done in this game particularly anyway. So let's try and give these young guns a chance to pull it out and maybe we'll see what happens. But he he blew it. He blew it. One of the rarest mistakes that I will see Steve Kerr make. Why didn't you trust the players? I get what people are saying. They're not the guys to really make the big time shots in that moment. And you want your best players playing at that, that you know, fourth quarter, four minute to the end of the game interval to try and win the game. I get all that. But we just had a comeback with the second unit. So so why can't you guys come back into the series? And I mean, in the game, why can't you guys, why don't you let your young players play? That's what I'm saying. Let them play. Let them play. But anyways, Mavericks win this game, right? Still down three to one. Still take a game, game by game basis. All right. You still find a way to see what you can do in Golden State. But I'm still calling the Mavericks to win. If you know what that means for the code of game breakers, it means the Warriors to win. <laughs> but honestly, I think the Warriors will win the game. Like, I think they're going to sweep them. Oh, gentlemen, sweep them. And they're going to finish out the series. But the point is that Steve Kerr had a chance to really prove his genius as a coach. And he didn't do it. Moving on, Heat and Celtics, who do I have for tonight's game? Give me the Miami Heat. Of course. Why? why what else? Home court is a big factor, right? And maybe it's not a big factor in this series, but the point is, is that it's been so back and forth. It's been so, so dominating by each team. And once again, I'm, I'm kind of nervous because I don't want to see a case of my team folding first, but I do believe that having home court advantage does play some type of role. and. We're going back home to Miami, all right? We're going to have a case of hopefully our starters playing much better in the first quarter than they did in, the, in, in game four, all right? Regardless if Marcus Smart comes back or not. But the point is, is that I do expect my role players to play much better. And maybe we get Tyler Hero back, maybe not. Um, But I do like my chances in game five. I really do. The biggest thing is, and we talked briefly about this in game four, with Robert Williams guarding Jimmy Butler. We'll see how we can try and exploit that this time around. Because if they're going to do that, two things. It offers a driving lane for Jimmy Butler to maybe get past him. If not, then, you know, if he doesn't get past him, then that, that's a big advantage for Robert Williams in the paint, obviously because of his stature and because of his length. But it also gives our drivers, despite them being smaller compared to the whole entire Celtics team, but we know that Robert Williams is their rim protector anyway. It gives them a chance to drive to the rim. It gives chances for Ben Adebayo to have one-on-one chances to score against Al Horford again. Cannot forget, game three, he was giving this guy buckets. Game four, I'm not sure why he went away from that. Don't go away from that. Be aggressive. If Williams is going to guard Jimmy Butler on the perimeter, you have a chance to get into the lane and get a shot up against Al Horford, who is a good defender. But don't act like he can't score against uh, Al Horford. Don't act like Bam can't get a bucket against him. He just he definitely can. All right. So I love that matchup. I want to see us exploit that. 
I want to see uh, Victor Oladipo be aggressive again off the bench. I want to see shot making from our starters <laughs> because that was atrocious. Shot making from our starters. Get some buckets in this game. There is no way that we start off the game like that again and win it this time. There's no way. So come out blazing. Come out with the imprint of the game, the impact. We are home. Come out with the energy. I always say this every series, every game. Energy in the beginning of the game will determine how you will play for the rest of the game, unless you have a drop-off energy. That's, that's a different story. But Miami Heat are built off of trying to outlast teams and utilizing their energy and their small star power and the great coaching to win these kind of games. Now, when we face a team like the Celtics, who are a great team when it comes to trying to outlast, it's hard to outlast these kind of guys. And I hate them a lot, but they are a good team. And when we play them, they mirror our defense. It's like looking in the mirror. And when they have star power and, and JT and JB, and they have some, some three-pointers falling, when it's their night, it's their night. So it's our job to make sure that we don't get these guys the looks that they were getting in game two when they blew us out at home. And last game, don't give them those looks. I mean, we're the best three-point shooting defending team in the league for a reason. Don't give them the looks. Don't. Close out. When they start missing, they'll, they'll have little confidence. That'll build our confidence up, and that'll give us a chance to win the game. Don't give them the looks. Because when they start making threes, that's a bad sign for us because they have won every game so far, right? The two games that they have won, they have made like about around 15 plus threes in, the, in those games. And we can't, you can't, it's going to be hard to win any game giving up that many three-point looks and that many three-point makes and buckets. So please do me a favor. But I do look to see a big bounce back from Jimmy Butler. He did score, I believe, what, eight points or nine points last game? Six points, I think. I'm going lower and lower. He did score around that. So, do expect him to have a, a much better game. But ultimately, I don't see Max struggling again. I don't really see the Celtics having that kind of game anyway either. So no game is the same, obviously. But I do like my chances of going back to Miami and taking game five. And we saw once again that game five comes. We win at, at home against the 76ers. We go back. I'm not saying we're going to win in Boston after that. But we just changed the whole outlook of the series. We just changed the whole outlook of the series. Now we have better momentum because even if we win game five and we lose game six, winning at home in game five would give us much confidence to get game seven done and dusted, right? Because we'll have that mindset that, okay, we have won there before. It's our home court. Our fans are here. There are little to no Boston Celtics fans. They make noise, but it's not going to over uh, populate the fans that we have, the Miami faithful. So get the job done, guys. Get the job done. I'm calling Heat in Game 5. 83% of teams who win Game 5 go on to win the series. Will not make a difference in this type of series anyway. Because we have seen so far it has been two back and forth. And, I mean, I could be a bit, a bit biased, but I don't really think that it's been that boring of a series to me. I don't think so. Because I, I like the aspect of one team showing how good it is and the next game the other team showing how good it is. I like that aspect. So it's not, it hasn't been that boring for me, to be honest. But let's just see how things go. And let's see if our role players can come out to play. And also, let's monitor the fact of Tyler Hero and Marcus Smart not being able to go. We'll see how that happens. But if they are, that's great. If they aren't, then it's not going to really change too much anyway of how this game plan is going to be worked for each team. 
but let's just see how things go. I'm calling Heat for game five. Heat, do not let me down because if we go back to Boston down three to two in the series, damn. Want me to call my team back to back games and force a game seven? I probably would. <laughs> I probably would. But get the game five here first. No, winning game three was the must win right there that I didn't believe he was going to do. But getting game three was a great win. Now get game five. <laughs> now get game five, all right? But anyways, guys, what a great, great episode. What a great, great way to end off the entire show. Let's keep it honest here, people. Let's keep on uh, trying to work hard and grind. And don't forget about what I said to begin the episode, to begin the whole entire show, with regards to trying to pray and have some love for these people who have lost their children and who keep on experiencing the daily chaos and evils of this world anyway at this point. Right? Let's keep on hoping. Let's use our voices. Use our voices to try and stop whatever that is going on in this earth at the moment, specifically in the United States at this moment, because we live in the United States at least, for the United States users and the listeners. You know, shout out to my 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 over overseas listeners as well, too. You guys are much appreciated. But I'm just saying, though, we have issues in, in the United States that have happened over the past couple of days, weeks or so. Some big issues over the past couple of years. So let's try that. But guys, keep on supporting MBS. Keep on supporting Game Breakers. My guy will, myself. And we will be back once again for some extra coverage and to break down what happened in Game 5 of the Miami Heat and the Celtics. Uh, stay tuned for that. But guys... It's your boy Edwin. I am out. Peace.